I'm so honored to be here. Um, my mother gave birth to two sons, and uh, one of them is handsome and smart and athletic and just super uber talented, and I'm the other one, and I'm glad to be here, and it's, uh, it's a privilege to fill in for my brother, but also to be with this wonderful church. What a privilege. I'm going to have you look at Luke chapter 6. I think the uh, scripture will be on the, the screen here today. And let's begin in this way. Uh, I think it was two Monday nights ago when we were watching Monday night football and DeMar Hamlin, the safety for the Buffalo Bills, made a, a brilliant defensive play, tackle, stood up and immediately fell back over flat on his back. If you didn't see it live like my family did, you certainly have heard about it, I'm sure, in the last two weeks. And in God's wonderful mercy, DeMar Hamlin looks like he's making a full recovery. I think he is out of the hospital now and back with the Buffalo Bills, not the play. Who knows what will happen with, with that. But God in his mercy spared his life. But in that moment, when, you're on, when he and all of us who were watching are, are standing over the precipice of death and the veil between heaven and earth, or should I say the veil between heaven and eternity is very, very thin. You know what didn't matter in that moment? His stats his wealth, his, how many tackles, what he went, where he went to college, what his hopes for retirement were. In that moment, on, on, the, on the precipice of death, what matters in that moment is of e eternal importance, right? Do I know Jesus the Savior? Do I know that heaven, the eternal reward of heaven, is mine. That would, all that would matter in that moment. It, it causes all of us, if we're honest, to, to stop and, and do some work of self-introspection and, and ask the question, am I living the life that is worth living, the abundant life that Jesus came to give? And do I know that on the other side of this life, as, as temporary as it is, and and for DeMar Hamlin, praise the Lord, it looks like he gets more life. But none of us know, do we? We never know when our day is coming. But it, it caused me to go, am I living the life that really counts now? And do I know that, that heaven is really the reward on the other side? Jesus came, dear friends, that you would know what it is, what I'm calling the life of present blessings and future reward. That sounds like a good life, right? Would you like the life of present blessings and future rewards? Well, it's in our text. I want you to read it with me. Jesus says, I came to give you this life, this life of present blessings and future rewards. But, but I got to tell you, <laughs> it's not like anything you would naturally choose. So the choice is, is yours like the choice is mine. Do I want the life of present blessings that Jesus offers with future rewards, or do I want this, uh, this, what we call the American dream? They're not the same. All right, here we go. Ready? Luke chapter 6, 
Verse 12 is where we start. In these days, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. When day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles, means sent ones. Simon, whom he named Peter and Andrew, his brother, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas and James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who would become a traitor. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great multitude of his a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. In other words, they were coming from all around to hear this man. They came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured, and all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did through the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the prophets. Uh, let's pray. Lord, would you, by your Holy Spirit, open our eyes and hearts to your word. Be our teacher as you promised. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus comes out and he chooses 12 apostles. These will be the ones that carry on his ministry, uh, the leading and building of the church after he leaves. And in this context, after he calls these 12 to him, he then gives him the, the kingdom ethics. He gives them what life in his kingdom is going to look like. Now you might ask, why these 12? Why here? What, what's going on? It, it Scholars would tell us that if you remember Moses, when he came out with the, the Ten Commandments and out in front of him were the 12 tribes of Israel, and he said, here is what life in the kingdom looks like, that now Jesus in the new Israel, in the new covenant, comes out to his 12, not the 12 tribes, but the 12 apostles, and he says, here's what life in the kingdom looks like. And because Jesus is God, and because Jesus loves us, He wants us to know how to live the life of blessing now and ultimate blessing in the future rewards of the new heavens and new earth. So He's going to give these instructions to His disciples. Disciples were all those who were His followers. And then His 12 apostles, who would be the ones, I said, that would build the, the new Israel uh, for the church. And he's instructing them. And then all the onlookers are listening as well. And keep in mind, because the context is really important, so are the Pharisees. 
so are the religious leaders. So are the self-righteous ones. So this is Jesus' context. What I want to do this morning is ask just two questions about this text in our time we have together. The first one is this. How does someone live the life of present blessings and future rewards? How do you live that life? How do you find that life? Well, it's, in our text, it's, it's first this way. Notice that the life of present blessing and future reward is initiated by Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus came and he looked and he found these 12 and he called them to be his apostles. He didn't wait for them to come and find him and say, hey, can we be, can we be the apostles? He came and designated them as apostles. He initiated grace. They would not have followed him had he not called them to himself. So how do we get this life of present blessing and future reward? We understand that Jesus initiates with us first. Now what should already encourage your hearts this morning is to see the people that Jesus called to be his disciples, his apostles. You got a tax collector He's a dirty guy who's stealing money off the top for himself. You got these, these uh, ruffians of society, fishermen, and, and they were vulgar, and they were unschooled, uneducated men, Acts tells us. These were not impressive fellows. And you've got one guy, Peter, who's going to deny him, and you've got Judas, who's a total fraud anyway. I mean, that's good news for the church, right? Uh, you may think you're impressive this morning. Uh, I do not think I'm impressive. Uh, I need an impressive Savior. And what's beautiful about Jesus is he didn't come for the good people. He came for the broken people. He came for those who don't have it together. He said, by his own words, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. I came for sinners. And, and we see it here when, he, when these that he came and called to his own. So if you're broken this morning, if you can't seem to get your act together today, if you feel like I don't have anything really to offer Jesus, I'm here only because of his mercy, you're in the right place. You're the very ones that he came and he called to himself as his disciples. Now, you're not the 12 apostles, but the calling is the same. You are his disciples if you're a Christ follower today. And he came for you, people that don't have it together. If that didn't make you feel good, well... It makes me feel good, so I did it anyway. Second thing, notice they follow him. Right after he comes and he calls them, it says, verse 17, and he came down with them and stood on a level place. So not only did Jesus initiate with them, we see that they responded to the call and they followed him. How do you get this life of present blessing and future reward? You Listen to the call of Jesus in mercy on brokenness in your life. You understand your need of him and you follow him. And that's what they did. But then Jesus says, what does it mean to respond to my, to my call to follow me? What are the terms of that? What type of person do you need to be to, to come to Jesus? And here are the terms. He uses these words, poor, hungry, weeping, reviled or hated, excluded. 
Uh, people willing to, to suffer persecution, people willing to suffer rejection. This is what Jesus is saying. Now, he's not saying, to understand this, he's not saying that, that, that wealth is a problem. He's saying that people who rely on their wealth and rely on their own righteousness. That, that's what he means here by, look, if you uh, blessed, happy, fulfilled, is that word, are the poor, those are the poor in spirit. Those are the ones who know, I have nothing to offer. I can't bring my righteousness. I can't bring my record. I can't bring my, my wealth. I can't bring any of my accomplishments. I have nothing. I'm poor in spirit. I'm absolutely spiritually bankrupt. Those are the ones that Jesus says, come and follow me. Then he says, those who are hungry, not just that they're they're poor in spirit, but they understand that Jesus is the only one who is the bread of life, who is the living water that satisfies what they desperately need. The poor, the hungry, those who are weeping over their sinful condition and their desperate need of a Savior. Blessed are you. You're the ones who get the life of present blessing and future reward. And then he, he says, he, he turns up the heat a little bit more, Blessed are you when people hate you and revile you and exclude you because of, because of me. Oh, what, what is that about? Some people are hated and reviled and excluded just because they're jerks, right? Or they're just obnoxious. Uh, he's not that, you don't get a pass. If that's you, he's not talking about you. He's talking about the ones that say, I'm going to identify with Jesus no matter the cost. I'm going to take up my cross and follow him no matter the suffering. Even if it means everybody in this world will reject me, Jesus, I found that you're the treasure. You're the, you're the priceless one. I'm going to follow you anyway. This, Jesus says, if you're that person, you are the blessed one. Now, uh, two weeks ago, I was on a medical missions trip to Tijuana, Mexico. I took my daughter, who's a junior in high school, and we flew into San Diego, and then we drove over the border into Tijuana. Everybody I told I was going to Tijuana said, ooh. And I didn't understand what the ooh meant. What it meant is terrible crime. Uh, and, and if you get out of there alive, that's a good thing. So I was glad I didn't know that on the front end. But we went on this medical missions trip. We were setting up clinics everywhere we went. The problem is I know nothing about medicine. Uh, I, I am the least of all those that should be working on a medical missions trip. Uh, my daughter also knows nothing about missions or medicine, but she's talked about being a nurse, so I said, come on, let's go. We, we get there, and uh, I'm basically comic relief and figuring out where to solve problems and just praying with people and, and loving wherever I, I can. And, but on the third day, I said, you know what, today I'm going for it. So I borrowed one of the doctor's scrubs, the whole scrubs. I got a stethoscope put it around my neck, can't even say that word, probably couldn't spell it. I got one of those cool doctor pins that has the light that they shine, and I just started walking around in uh, the uniform. And I'm telling you, I felt like somebody. I looked like a doctor, I acted like a doctor, until somebody came up to me and said, hey, we need to go uh, and get this particular medicine at a drugstore, uh, will you come with me? And I said, sure. And uh, he said, they don't usually give this out, the medicine we want, over the counter. But I figured that since you're a doctor, they would give it to you. 
And I barely laughed out loud. I said, I'm so sorry. I'm a total fraud. I look like a doctor. I'm hanging out with doctors. I'm acting like doctors, but I am not a doctor. Why do I say that? Because this. All those people hanging around Jesus would have looked the part, especially the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And they would have looked like they were a Christ follower. They would have looked like they knew God. They would have, they would have been the spiritual ones. But what Jesus does next is, is look and shine the spotlight on them and say these words. You may look like you're really one of my followers, but you're not because here's who you are. Look with me at verse 24 through 26. Woe to you. Now, that's not a, actually the woe is not condemnation. It's actually pity and sorrow that Jesus feels as he says this. He's not pronouncing judgment on them. He's saying, oh, I feel so horrible for you. And he says this, woe are those who are rich, for you've already received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, because you're going to be proven to be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, because even though you think you're happy, you're actually going to, it's going to show in, in time that you're mourning and weeping, you're empty. Woe to you when people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the prophets. Woe to you who make it your life that everybody around you likes you, as impressed by you. Oh, I feel so sorry for you, Jesus says. You don't know me. You, you may look the part, but you're not authentic. So Jesus here says to them, how do you live the life of present blessing and future reward? You respond to my call, you follow me, and you come to me on my terms, and you by faith understand that I am the only one who can meet your desperate condition. You know, if we were to look, before I get to question number two, if we were to look at these two lists, all right, and put them side by side. If I were to say to you, would you rather be poor, hungry, weeping, and excluded and reviled, or would you rather be rich, full, laughing, and everybody like you? If I had come in before this morning and I'd given you those two lists, is there any person in the whole room that would have gone, I'll take list number two? No, why? It's absolutely countercultural to everything we would think. The whole American dream. The, every bit of everything that I want in my flesh. I woke up this morning, you know what I want? I want to be rich. I want to be full, fat, and happy. I want to laugh all the time at, at the pleasures of, of, of an easy life. And I want everybody to like me. Jesus says that's the very opposite of the type of person who comes to me. Jesus says, if you're one who understands you're spiritually bankrupt and you're hungry for the, for the satisfaction that I offer and you're weeping now because of your sin and you know you have nothing to bring to the table and you're even willing to follow me and take up your cross and die for me, excluded by the world, he says, come on in. Welcome to my team. Now, that doesn't sound very good until we get to question number two, which is this. What is the life of present blessing and future reward. And here's what we see. It's one, it's discovering who Jesus really is. Two, it's receiving the life and the joy and the blessing that only he can offer us. And thirdly, it's receiving the blessings of his 
kingdom. Like I mentioned to you, it's absolutely countercultural. I was in Hendersonville yesterday, and I was looking. I do a conference there with pastors, and I was looking for a place to have our banquet. And uh, I walked into this one brewery restaurant like 3 o'clock in the middle of the day, and I, I opened up the door, and I charged into what I thought would be this incredible atmosphere of, of life. And 50 people were in silence doing yoga on the floor. And I, I opened the door, and I charged right in. And, I, and they looked at me like, you are from another planet. And I imagine when Jesus gave these words, they looked at him like, you are from another planet. And you know what he was? He's God. He knows what he's talking about. He, he may look like an alien when we hear these things to our American sensibilities. But what he's offering us is true and abundant life of blessing now and future reward. But we have to understand who he truly is. Verse 17 says that large crowds from everywhere were coming to him. And here's who they were coming to. Somebody, verse 18, who had a message evidently they desperately needed to hear. They came to hear him. And they came to be healed of their diseases. And they, those that were troubled with unclean spirits, demon-possessed or demon-oppressed, who were weighed down by the evil of the world. Evidently, this guy has something to offer them. And then those who were sick, all they had to do was touch him, and they were healed. I got a lot of brokenness in my life, a lot of pain and suffering. Some of you have pain and suffering and sin and brokenness and idolatry that's every bit as great as mine and even more. I need a Savior for what ails me. I need a big Savior who can meet me in my place of desperate need. I don't know if it's you this morning like me, but uh, I need someone who has the words of life in a world that's so confusing, so polarizing, so filled with falsehoods and lies. I need something that I can bank my life on. Jesus said, I have the message of life. They came to him because he had what they needed to hear. They came to him because in their sickness and brokenness, he's the healer. They came to him because in their world oppressed by sin and darkness and the demonic and, and, and the living in a broken, fallen world, he had life. He had deliverance. They came to him because only Jesus had the power as the God-man to fix what was broken in their lives. Do you start to see just a little bit about why Jesus, if, if, you, want, if you want me, you may suffer, you may be rejected, you, you, you may have a hard life, you may, it may be a tough life of persecution and brokenness, but you get me. And I'll take that trade any day. We discover who Jesus really is. And we come and we receive the blessings of his kingdom. Do you see what Jesus says here are the blessings of his kingdom. Blessed are the poor, for you get the, you get the kingdom of God, which is a kingdom of blessing and life and hope. You're going to be satisfied, verse 21. You're going to laugh, which means deep, 
abiding joy. Let me, let me stop on those two for a minute. You're going to be satisfied. I have a friend who is a wealth manager in Augusta, and he has multi-millionaire clients. And he's in a Bible study that I lead, and, and he always brings this up. But he says, I handle people with, uh, with several millions of dollars, and they're all empty. And I always say to him, I'd like to just learn that lesson the hard way myself. You know, I want to be the guy that has multiple millions of dollars and then learns it doesn't satisfy you. It sounds so good. I want that problem. But he's, marriages are, are falling apart. Kids are on drugs. The money, they can't get enough. It doesn't satisfy. Jesus says, if you're in my kingdom, it's a kingdom of present blessings. It satisfies you. Uh, deep laughter and joy. Do you know... One of the things I've learned in, in the last couple of years is this reality, that suffering and brokenness and sadness are not mutually exclusive to joy and peace and happiness. The Christian and only the Christian lives in a world where both work at the same time. We can go through deep suffering. We can go through deep sadness. We can, we can mourn our sin and our idols of our heart and the, the effects of the fall on our lives and also have great joy. That's because we are members of his kingdom. And we've come to him by faith and understand these are the blessings of what it means to be a child of God. I think I'm supposed to stop about 10 is that, or 11. Is that right? Okay, so, um, so I'll stop at 1130. All right, here, uh, I had a, a, a in, in Tijuana, Mexico, the pastor's name was Juvenal, and he ran a construction company in San Diego, and then he ran one over uh, for a while in North Carolina, actually. And he moved and gave all that away, sold his company, and moved down to Tijuana, Mexico. And he lives in a house that none of you would want to live in, and outside, I don't know, if, has anybody ever been to Tijuana, Mexico? Uh, probably like a lot of places, it's trash everywhere. Uh, just dirty. It was hard to see. Just, so outside this man's house with the typical Mexican uh, walls with the, the barbed wire and the shrapnel kind of stuff or whatever that is around it uh, and the iron gates because of, uh, the, it's so unsafe and because there's so much theft, outside that place where he lives, a house you wouldn't want to live in, is just trash everywhere in the streets. And he, he brought our team together one morning, he gave us donuts, and he, he told us his story, and he said, I did all the construction business in the States, uh, but it didn't fulfill me, and I knew God had a greater call in my life, so I moved to Tijuana, Mexico, and he, he serves the poor and, and volunteers and partners with churches. I was struck by that. So later on, I asked him about it again. I said, you really had a, a good construction company in the States, and, and you left it all, and you came here. And he said, yeah. I said, why did you do that? And these were his words, not mine. He said, I realized that I didn't want the American dream. I wanted the heavenly dream. And I thought, this guy gets it. I don't get it. He gets it. I got to tell you, I still like the, the American dream pretty good. I'd like both if I could. But Jesus says, if you want the American dream, it's going to leave you empty. You're going to laugh now, but you'll be empty later. You're, you're going to not be satisfied. But if you want the 
heavenly dream of life of blessing in my kingdom now in the midst of suffering and hardship. Come to me. Empty, spiritually bankrupt, come to me. It's yours. And, and, I, and I just want to end with this reality. That's just the start. This is the life of present blessings and future reward. Did you see what Jesus said here? Rejoice, verse 23, in that day and leap for joy. There is some type of joy that is coming that we're going to be dancing and singing about. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. I guess that's why Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Dying is, is, is better by far, Paul says. I guess that's why Jesus said in Revelation, behold, I'm coming quickly and I'm bringing my reward with you, with me. The reality is this. You're going to suffer. Jesus makes it clear here. And aligning ourselves with Jesus will not mean life gets easy for you. In fact, for most of us, and it seems ever increasingly so, life's going to get more difficult if we truly align with Jesus. And yet, the reality is that as counterculture as it seems, if you choose that life, it's the life of blessing. And Jesus is going to be for you what you desperately need. And, oh, by the way, you get eternity thrown in forever in the presence of Jesus. Future glory, future joy that will make it all worthwhile. Last quick story, and I'll, I'll stop. I had a friend whose dad had a, had a, 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 a very debilitating illness, and uh, he was bedridden for months and, and nonverbal near the end, and, and it was just a hard, hard way to watch his father die. And uh, near the end, they said, the time is, is coming close. My friend's mom went in, and she lay down in the bed beside her husband. And she took his hand, and he couldn't talk back to her, but she talked to him. And she said, now, Jimmy, I'm going to lay here, and I'm going to hold your hand. And when Jesus comes for you, I want you to let go of mine, and I want you to take his my friend Brian said they laid there together in the bed for several minutes, and then all of a sudden his hand opened up, and he was gone. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And in that moment, dear friends, by faith, I can only tell you, all the suffering and rejection and pain of this life will be worth it because you identified with Jesus, and you had the life of present blessing and future reward for eternity. I want that. By faith, I need the Spirit to, to teach me to want that more and more.